Yeah, no, thank you. I will be phoning a friend, I'm sure. All right, so questions, comments, snide remarks. I had a professor that used to say that. Did I, did I miss a blank, Lee? <gasps> oh, my gosh. Okay. What's that? Which? Ooh, Jesus aligns. Yeah, that was my Appalachian probably that came out. <clears throat> Jesus aligns. Yeah, that's the idea of, of him redirecting our focus to today. Anna, 2-4. Man. I know. Useless. That sounds right. Impotence. Anxiety is impotence. Did I skip that one? Oh, man. Anxiety's impotence. Yeah. All right. Any, any other blanks? Yep. I don't, doesn't sound like it. Does God guide us through our worries and anxieties? Does God guide us? Does he use our worries to guide us? Oh, um, I, I believe he absolutely can use those circumstances. Um, and again, going into the different ideas of what anxiety can be, you've got the, 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 the way the word is often used. You know, I'm anxious to see you. That, that's one thing. But back to this sinful sort of worry uh, where we're paralyzed, we're not taking any sort of action um, I believe there's always a lesson to be learned somewhere from our circumstances. And I believe we just need to pray, obviously confess that we're worrying uh, as, as, as it being a, you know, a, a sin. You know, I'm not trusting you with this, Lord. I'm clearly letting my mind wander too much and not trusting you at your word. So, in faith, I will wait for you to show me what the meaning of this trial or this experience that may be causing me angst or anxiety may be. So I, I would say certainly, certainly. You can chime anytime you want to. <laughs> Lee. I, I could see how that was a very good question because, like, say, say you're a young man or a person, what am I going to do with my life? I want to be able to... Uh, you know, support a family someday. And, you know, that kind of concern, or I don't know if it's actually anxiety in the sense that you're, you know, doubting God's provision, but you're, you're uncertain, you're, that's when you can really ask God for wisdom, talk to other Christians. I mean, there's ways to assuage that uh, fear and, uh, you know, worry, I guess, that would come up into a person's life. And and I think the key there, because, you know, you'll, we all go through different stages in life. And, um, you know, I just remember as a, as a young married person, we're like, we got to buy a house and we've got all these things to get and I got to provide. And I remember when I sat in front of Terry and asked him his blessing to marry Anna, he said, so what's your plan to provide for my daughter? Yeah. Well, I hadn't thought about it. No. <laughs> but it, my, my, point, my point being this, I forgot what answer I came up with, but he approved. <laughs> he still sends me monthly checks. But, but, 
to your point, and maybe somewhat to yours as well, if I were to take those circumstances and then just lock up and not do anything, like, you know, if you're seeking a job, you got to apply for a job first, right? You, you, you can't be too, too picky about the job that you want. You know, you, the Lord will provide work for us, if, if, but we need to be looking. We need to be taking action. And I think that's one of the big clarifiers to this. You know, we, we'll have the, and again, we'll have those thoughts that bombard us. And, and again, you know, we'll maybe, we may tip into the screw tape letter this morning, but Satan's going to bombard us with these things. If he can get us off topic and off focus of our mission by saying, yeah, you've got a job that's about to lay you off, or, you know, you've got a health scare, and we get off topic, that's one thing. But if we can take action, and, and e- even if we can only do so much, when we find ourselves at the point, okay, I've done everything I can do here, that's really when we just have to trust and, and pray and, and keep seeking and listening for, for the way in which he moves. Yes, sir? You're here. You have the mic. Uh, My question is just, so anxiety is a a medical disorder, a diagnosed medical disorder. Uh, I'm going to say this as carefully as I can, and you can refuse to answer uh, if you want. But is that something that could be, I don't want to say cured, but cured by faith in God? Mm. Can I step in? Please. Um, No, no, no. This, this... This is like, this is the best way of teaching this ABF hour. Well, no, well, just, just because this is a really, a really good and precise question. We are in souled bodies or embodied souls. We are, the, we are the union of soul and flesh. And we know that physiologically, I mean, if you've just ever had too much caffeine, you can get jittery and nervous. Um, we know that the body issues can promote, can contribute to nerves and anxiety. We also know that there's a mental, spiritual component that's equally as large or larger. Um, I, I, God has given us the grace to obey his commands. If he commands us not to be anxious in a certain way, then if I take 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation is overtaken except what is common to man and God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape that you may bear up underneath it. If that's true, then whatever is sinful in anxiety, whatever the Lord forbids and tells us not to do, then he will get, he has made, a, he has not given us a command that he will not then give us the grace and the ability to deal with. So I want to be clear. I certainly am aware myself that if I've drank too much caffeine and an empty stomach, I get jittery, I can get nervous. Um, and, and I certainly can recognize there can be uh, somatic causes and effects that can, that contribute, but Certainly the portion of anxiety that, that falls into the moral realm, yes, yes. Um, otherwise, God's word and his grace is insufficient for us to keep his commands. Um, so I don't know. I mean, as our medical technology gets better and better and better, we might be able to more clearly and more precisely parse out what's the domain of the body and what's the domain of the soul or spirit. Um, as it is right now, we know there's, there's some effect in both ways. But certainly as regards to what... The anxiety that comes from thoughts, beliefs, values, judgments, certainly all of that scripture and God's grace and the gospel promises speak to. 
um, the portions that may be the way your body metabolizes sugar or something. Yeah, separate. But I, I think that even in studying anxiety, in most cases, there's something you're thinking, there's something you're fearing, there's something you're wanting, there's something you're dreading. Now we're dealing with belief systems. Now we're believing with uh, meta-narratives and framing reality. And absolutely that's all in-game for what Scripture's dealing with. So with uh, so many things that God instructs us, there's a way to go to the right side of the road too far or the left side too far. I'd be curious to hear uh, your thoughts on, you know, we're told to prepare, we're told about uh, not having enough oil ready when the time comes and things like that. Um, it looks like there is a certain level of concern for the future that's supposed to drive us to action but at a certain point, we can nurture it too much and it becomes sin. So I'm curious to hear you um, speak about that. No, it's like, what are you laughing at, Jeremy? Um, what are you laughing at? Oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me get out my crayon book here. Uh, no, great question. Um, and, and I love your way of setting that up with the, with the two, two ditches, right? Um, we, our family, like we're, we, I have hypotheticals, you know, my brother-in-law, Tim and I, we, we talk a lot about, okay, so if everything goes south and the grid collapses, like aside from trying to find the greens and connect with them, <laughs> what's, what's our next plan of action, right? Um, which by the way, you guys are on our team, whether you know it or not, um, we, you know, it's a great question. So we think about it, but I, th I think you almost answered your own question is when it gets to where it consumes you and it's, it's take like your, our, our thought of a future circumstance, you know, of, of a, to, to use the word incorrectly, apocalyptic sort of nature, um, to, to, to dwell in that and not, you know, if you get to the point where you've done everything, you're kind of ready and, and you suffice, I think there's an adequate amount of time and resources that you can invest in that. But if it begins to, to take your focus off of the here and now, and, and you're, you're not, maybe you're not relating to your neighbor the way you should because you've got this giant old bus you're storing in your backyard that's going to become your underground bunker, then <laughs> that, that may be... That's that not may be right. Some, we shouldn't be doing that. I, I didn't say that. When your neighbor has a problem with it and your witness with your neighbor suffers, then the kingdom, you know, the, the, the focus of the kingdom goes out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. No, that's a good question. Jeremy, you want to take a stab? Well, I, I think the text itself gives some parameters. Um, this is coming from a quote you might give in, in the screw tape letters, but Lewis makes the point, if you look at verse uh, 20... Um, yeah, verse, no, I'm in Hebrews. Oops, hold on. Wrong book. Loading. Um, Matthew 6, the last verse of Matthew 6. Uh, for tomorrow, then if worry for self, sufficient is the day for the trouble thereof. Yeah. Um, 34. Lewis's point is, today's trouble may very well be preparing for tomorrow. So if, if you got your rent due next week, part of today's work might be setting aside some money for next week's rent. So 
it, it's not that the Lord doesn't want us concerned about the future. Today's work may well be involved in preparing for that future. But since Jesus exposes the worry he's dealing with and speaking against here accomplishes nothing. It doesn't hour a span to your life. Um, it'd be those things you're worrying about. Well, what are you planning on doing about it? Like, I'm worried that the, the war in Ukraine might spill over and become a global conflict. Okay, that could happen. What's your plan of action? Nothing. Then I wouldn't worry about it. If, if there are things you can do to prepare for it, by all means. Yeah. Um, but I think the parameters in the text are it's rooted in the world's possessions. It's rooted in not trusting God is gracious and generous. It leads to no action, and it hinders pursuit of the kingdom. So if you're not falling into those traps, I think you're good. And, but the main thing I'd be looking at is, what are you actually going to do about it? Because I certainly think the worry that just causes us to sit for three hours and stew and, and, and eat our own tail is absolutely in view of what Jesus is dealing with. Um, yeah, that's what I'd add. Okay, Carol, and then over here. Well, I mean, Kathy remembers me as a person involved in campus ministry who didn't get married until he was 28, who I don't need to save money for anything. You know, I don't, I, I'll, I'll never get old. I'll never need to retire. I mean, that's how I thought, wasn't it? But but I was even thinking, I, I was reading, beginning to read in Acts, and it goes through and it lists the 11 disciples that remain and which uh, brings us to the, the one who's not there anymore, who used to be in charge of the money bag. Remember that? Judas was in charge of the money bag. So it's not that the disciples and Jesus all wandered around with never a plan on where they're going to buy their next meal. They, somebody was in charge of the money bag. Bad choice uh, to give it to him, I guess. But um, So even, even there, they, there was some planning for the future. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, God's providence once again at work, yeah. knowing exactly the hands in which that money would be sitting that would betray him. Yep. Okay, we're told to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for you. How, how is that? How do you do that? Did you have anxiety before this ABF? How did you <laughs> cast that off? Well, um, so... And, and I probably didn't get to make the point all that well, or maybe all that clear within it. But um, I know that when I when I read that passage, and and from what I've studied on that verse from First Peter, you know, there's there's a there's a humility involved in our prayer life. You know, when we go in a in a humble position to uh, our our God, and we we lay our needs out for Him, and and we. We tell him the things that we're concerned about, what we're worried about, and we've, we're confessing that to him. Um, I, I, I go back to prayer being that one of that number one thing that, that I do. Um, and, and then, you know, to go back on the points we've kind of already made, then to be able to take some sort of action as well. Um, and it, 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 I don't know, it... It, it it sounds too simplified in some way. It, it really does to just you know pray. But um, I, I think you, you take you take the entire message this morning with the context in in what Jesus lays out there in Matthew six. There's there's so much more 
uh, to our life than some of these things that we worry about and get concerned about. Um, and, and if we're placing him first, uh, if we're serving him first, when we feel that well of anxiety begin to fill up, then we, th- we throw that off. We, we put that at his feet, knowing that, he, knowing that he's overcome everything. And, and at the end, even if it comes to death, Right, like we've we've discussed in our household before, like yeah, you're you're scared about this, right, with some of our children and and anxiousness and everything else, not causing them to sleep, and we get to the point like, what's the worst thing that can happen to you on on earth? What's the worst thing? Well, to die. But if you believe in Jesus and He saved you, isn't that the best thing? And, and we've had to use that logic sometimes. And I don't mean to get too much off of your question, but um, I don't know. Maybe that was too simple of an answer. Jeremy, you got anything on the idea of cast there with First Peter 5? I, I, I agree with you. I don't think you're ever going to be um, praying too much. Yeah. So um, so it, it's, it may be very difficult to cast our cares and anxieties on. Okay, then stay on your knees. Um, I think the part where Jesus is speaking about where we're no longer trying to give it to God and we're just stewing and just being eaten up with anxiety. Well, that's futile, and it's disobedient. Yeah. So, if you're if you're really burdened by something, then stay stay on your knees. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know some of you all knew a year or two year ago, some more. We'd gone through through some things with my mother after my dad had passed, and it it was brutal. And and just the way in which I had to lovingly admonish her as a son, but more and less treating her like a child, it, it, it was a really difficult thing. And I often ask, Lord, what are you accomplishing through this? Like, what are, what are you trying to show me? And, and that disposition allowed me to, to just trust in him. And, and there were plenty of days I didn't know the answer to that question. I just had to trust that that, that he's in control. And he knew about this before the day my mom was born, you know, and, and I needed to rest in that. That's tough. Yeah. I also think it's helpful to know um, what type of things might cause you a little bit of anxiety. Like it comes in the mail, it's your 401k statement, you know, knowing that it's probably not going to look pretty. Maybe it might look a little better than it has been or whatever, but just knowing that um, my hope doesn't lie in the number, whether it's a negative in there or, you know, it, it gained whatever, that's not my hope. And it also belongs to him. Yeah. It's not, it's not mine. It's so, not yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Dennis, you pointed out a key verse today, Philippians four, six, but you forgot one important line of that oh, verse. Man. Uh, Go for it. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is used so much in the Bible. And uh, I have a lot of times in my life not as been as thankful as I should be. And I think that is the key to thank God for everything that he's done for me in my life. And be and choosing me to be a part of his family and thank God for all the blessings we have now and to look forward to will help with anxiety because that next verse after it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding 
will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I think being thankful is a key to help fighting anxiety. Yeah, it is, Dennis. Um, if you all hold on to your messengers that you get every month, Jeremy did a great piece a number of months ago on anxiety and praying with Thanksgiving. So it didn't make our recycle bin. <laughs> Greg. Speaking of boats and casting and all that stuff. Are we talk- um, we're talking about fish? <laughs> no, no, in all honesty. Uh, I think the way that, that our Lord opens up this whole section on, on the Sermon on the Mount is informative. It, it, it's just a great teaching on rest, right? Like putting your, your rest in him. He opens up, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst of righteousness. He's giving right off the bat um, an opportunity for those who may have anxiety, who may be, you know, in, in a difficult place to, to look unto him and to put their, their hopes into him because he, he offers that. He says that they will, theirs is the kingdom, they, they will be comforted, etc. So I just think that it's, the whole section is a great reminder of putting your rest in him, even all through all these situations, you know, where your treasures are stored up, everything, you know, like you said earlier, dealing with money or, or the things that have to do with possessions, just giving it all unto him yeah. and, um, and looking to him and, yeah. and being satisfied. Doc. Uh, con- continuing on with the boat analogy, if you remember, <laughs> uh, the disciples were crossing the sea, and Jesus came to them. From this is uh, it's not a, it's the same part we studied in John six, but it, there's details in other gospels that, that give details that aren't in six. And and uh, the storm came up, and these guys at this time in their life had probably spent more time on water than they had on land. And they're, and they're out of their minds with fear. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Now, either that's a really stupid question, yeah, or it's not. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I was thinking about that yesterday. Like, these guys spend their daily lives on the water. Mm-hmm. So it must have been really bad for them to be the point where they were uncertain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I thought that about Peter when I was thinking through that, like, what was in his mind to cause him to fear? And it's easy to say from 20 centuries later, right? Mm-hmm. But he walked, I mean, he got to walk on water, which was incredible. But when they were afraid in the boat, like, it must have been really bad. That's a great point. You uh, were going on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I, I, just, I just think everything is about theology. What do, we, what do I believe about God? What do I, what do I believe about myself? Um, is God good? Is he in control? And is he competent? Is he wise? If, if those th- three are in place, then what, what am I concerned about? Yeah. If, if only two of them are, if, he, if he's good and he's in control, but he's incompetent, well, <laughs> if, he's, if he's good, but he's not in control, then who really cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if he, if, you know, so... If, he, if he's good, if he's wise, and if he's uh, sovereign, then I don't really have a... Mm-mm. No. He still commands me to... to right. He gives me responsibilities, and, but he gives me the grace to accomplish those. Yeah, it's yeah. a good point, Don. Good point. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> reflecting upon um, anxiety in my life, 
Um, I think the importance of scripture memory specifically has been really helpful. Um, I remember looking back in a season where uh, it wasn't panic attack level, but it was pretty consuming physically. And it's hard to think when your body and your mind are feeling the weight of anxiety and having even maybe just two verses or three or something that you know. Um, when your brain is not thinking the way it should, that you can just literally go over it in your head. Um, and God's faithfulness um, to work even in the physical realm when you feel the weight of anxiety. And you're, all I can do is repeat this verse in my head and seeing God work or lift that anxiety. Um, anyway, just has been a helpful thing in the past that I probably should remember more now. But Oh, that is certainly true. Certainly true. Stacy or Al, Al, okay. Stacy in the back, and then Bridget. Yeah. I wanted to um, add to what Jen was saying that the passage in First Peter mentioning casting. I remember being taught um, before we came to MCC that that notion of casting is requires effort. You know that there must be effort physically for the fishermen to put that out to sea and um, that that's just a reminder for us uh, in seasons of battling with anxiety that it has to be continually done so it isn't like the thing is just going to go away necessarily but just to keep casting and keep casting and have the truth ready to direct our mind to thinking on what's true and just to keep going through that and knowing that the Lord provides the peace um, in his time that is so true Stacy. Bridget, and then was there a hand over here? Bridget Lucas. Okay, so in Proverbs 22, verse 15, fully is bound up in the heart of a child, but the word of disciples drives it far from him. So never try in the way he holds. Go, even when he's old, and he will not depart from it. And that is, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs, that's how the scriptures goes. Yeah, thank you, Lucas. God's word is always wise. Bridget. Um, I was just thinking on decision making, since that seems like something we've touched on as a big area that can cause anxiety. And um, I remember I had a couple friends who uh, I looked up to in a lot of ways spiritually when I was single. Um, And they were in a dating relationship for, I think, it was like four or five years. And I think part of um, their reason for delay was that the guy was waiting to really hear from the Lord or feel like maybe a certain feeling of, of peace and calm about pursuing marriage with this girl and I think that was just something um, at the time that was confusing to me or oh is that something we need to wait on and um, I just wanted you to speak to that like I think at some point we just have to make a decision and a commitment Um, we can't just wait around for this feeling or hearing from God I mean yeah yeah. Well, well we know we know several things we know that God speaks primarily through his word to us right um I know that when I've encountered decisions and, and talking with other people when they have big decisions, um, I'd love for a burning bush to go, just, you know, like, make it that clear to me. I've, I've, in my naivety, I've, I've prayed that often. Um, 
I would say, and when it comes to that particular line of of train of thought with decision making, uh, I I believe you're, I, I believe you're heading in the right track. Like we need to pray about it and we need to take into all of our accounts, the calculations, the risks, whatever there is, that's, that's using the gift that God gave you to analyze the situation. Like we shouldn't just blindly jump into decisions um, that have significant impact. Uh, but when we worry about them, and again, we get back to this idea of being paralyzed where we're not taking any action on anything because we just don't know what to do, that's particularly where it comes sinful. So um, my encouragement, and, and from what I've gathered over the years um, from the Word, is pray about it, seek counsel from other people, um, I've sat down with people before and pastors and other people and asked them their input and they typically took me to the word for things. But at the end of the end of the day, there's usually some degree of faith in every decision that we have to make. And if we get to a point to where we say, yeah, this is perhaps a good thing. Like right now, there's nothing that is blatantly sinful about it, blatantly harming. We, we can pursue this and, and in faith, step out and begin the process of whatever that decision is. Um, Jeremy? Amen. Uh, <laughs> no, with, with, with decisions, the, one of the most freeing things for me is God does not require me to know his secret will. <laughs> so, no, no, he doesn't require me to know his secret will. He knows his secret will. He accomplishes his purposes. He requires me to be faithful. So... When you've got a decision to make, a job to take, a school to go to, a, a marriage to enter into, whatever, um, I, I, I would just encourage people, make a list of what you think you need to, be, need to do to be diligent and faithful in making this decision. It's probably going to include searching the word, probably going to include a fair amount of prayer. It's probably going to include talking to leaders, uh, spiritual leaders, or people with wisdom you know. But I'd make a list, and then when you're done it, Make a decision, and you're going to ask God for wisdom. This is James, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It gives generously to all, and it will be given to him. Um, that's a promise. So at the outset, God, I'm calling on you. I'm asking you to give me this wisdom, and then I'm going to take the steps your word gives me that, that's where I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it in your word. I'm going to find it from counsel. But then also give yourself like a time limit of when you're going to make your decision. And I, you're, you're not going to... The Lord is not going to judge you if you pursue that. What's not going to happen is you're going to faithfully do that and then be like, years later, oh, man, if only I'd done this other thing. Um, God doesn't hold you to know his secret will. He calls on you to be faithful. So sometimes people can just sort of chase their tails with that. And part of faith is believing God's going to give you the wisdom you need to figure out what you need to know. So you, you work through those steps, and then you, you act in faith. And God can redirect you, and he can step in and say, not this way, but that way. But, but there's, there can be a danger, kind of the holdover from some of the charismatic movement of really wanting a light bulb in the head moment, a beam of sunlight coming down, or pe- people always talk about peace. But even that's troubling, because I can think of two men who are asleep in stormy boats, Jesus and Jonah. Jonah had all sorts of peace, right? Should he have had peace? Nope. So even peace is no sure sign because how do you know it's not Jonah? The, the, the sailors are terrified. They're going to throw cargo overboard. He's just taking a nap in the hull. 
Um, so rather just, just what does the Lord called me to do and to make this decision and then act? Yeah. 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 Uh, Kevin D. Young has a great little book about this thing. It's called, uh, just do something or something like that. And it's kind of a yeah. clever kind of sort of makes fun of and kind of goes after that charismatic yeah. idea of waiting for a sign and yeah. it's really re- relatively short. It's good. It's a good yeah. read. It's a good little read. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Lee. Uh, what to kind of tie on to what Dennis was saying about gratitude and um, how that can help with the anxiety. A lot of it is looking to God and remembering, because even in the Old Testament, the 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 Israelites were, oh, I can't remember why did God even take us out here in the wilderness? You know, and they're forgetting, and how we. If we all look back, there's been so many times, countless times, that God has answered prayers, rescued us, saved us, led us, all the things that we're afraid he's never going to do again. But he has done it so many times in the past, and he isn't changing. He's going to still continue to do it. So don't forget. Yeah, absolutely. I want to kind of synthesize some of what, all these comments have been driving at and suggest that maybe in the way that your anxiety may be like an alarm system to let you know there's something of concern to address. If a fire alarm goes off, we don't just sit around here. Oh no, there's a fire. What, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my stuff? Like we execute a plan to get out of the building and do a head count or whatever. Uh, it drives us to action uh, I like what Don was saying about, you know, Jesus' question, was it a dumb question or not? Like, what are you afraid of is not a rhetorical question in a sense. We should, when we feel anxiety, maybe figure out what is it I need to know to be at peace with this and develop a plan to find that information. And then maybe we'll find that peace that we're, we would otherwise just be sitting around waiting for. Um, That's a great Great way of synthesizing everything there. Uh, I got two over here, I think. Deb. Uh, This is something that has come up numerous times with us, and I appreciate all that we've been hearing and talking about. And one of the other things that keeps coming to me out of everything various people have said today is it comes right back to what you said it's not self-centered it's not about only about me and my scared it's looking for in gratitude for what god has done in the past will do in the future it's god-centered and as long as yeah um i got a problem so i need to address it like you said But then it's whatever God tells me, which I've been promised he will give wisdom. Whatever he tells me to do, that's what I'm supposed to do. And after that, I shut up and do it and rest. And until, and this is something that I don't know if anybody in that screw tape letters thing that you're talking about, if only... You remember you said something about, oh, if I'd only done this or if I'd only done that, I've been haunted by that. And somehow or another, that's another way to get it focused on me. And that's not the way to do it. You said something, somebody said something about staying humble. It's keep paying attention to God. 
He may change things down the road. You know, it might not be over and done with, but at least for that point, it's done with for me, and I should rest. Great, Deb. Sorry. Oh, you're good. (laughs) Um, So we've spoken a lot about anxiety. Can you speak to uh, the line between apathy and trusting God? So I've met people who say, oh, I'm just trusting God with it, when in reality they're just kind of apathetic. And by apathetic, you mean they're not doing anything? Well, like or? like people who uh, don't go out and witness because, well, if God is sovereign, he's going to save oh. who he wills kind of thing. And it's the same thing with like anxiety where, you know, you can go like the ditches, you can go into one ditch, but the other ditch I would say is probably apathy where you just don't care and under the guise of claiming to trust God. Oh, ooh, okay. Um, those are two big ditches. Um <laughs> We've been talking about anxiety. Yeah, no, it, it all makes sense. So uh, let me start off with your comment about someone who, as you put it, under the, under the premise that they're believers, they don't care, right, about maybe going out and witnessing. Um, uh, the scripture makes it clear that there are different gifts for different people within the body. And he equips the body uh, with teachers, with evangelists, and, and the list goes on. So there, there, there are certain traits that people have that make them a little bit, you know, more prone to being engaged in certain works of ministry. Like, um, you know, there are some people like I would, I would walk, I talk, I could talk to anybody about anything in a lot of cases. Um, there are people that I know and love that would rather go hide in the garage than talk to someone walking by on the street. Um, and that's okay. Like that, that's, that's, that's them. And, and God can still use and minister to God's people through them, garage dwellers. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, and because there's all sorts of ways to serve in the body. So I guess my point there is that I don't want to jump to a conclusion that with evangelism in particular, that they don't care because they very well could care for the kingdom in different capacities. However, if there's not a, a, a longing um, or, or a desire to see people come to faith, whether it be family members or friends or loved ones, I, I think that can, be, that can be indicative of maybe, maybe the seed not being in, in the right soil type or the soil of the heart not being in the proper condition. Um, so I that answers that one part of the question, I think. Um, what was the other part at the very beginning? Well, the just, other? Yeah, so just we've talked a lot about like, anxiety, which is one side, where you've gone too far, where you know, you're stressing to a point where it's uh, consuming you. Yeah. But I was just wondering if you could speak more to the other side, where I've met a lot of people who, under the guise of just saying, oh, I'm just trusting God with it, oh. are actually basically apathetic. Okay. Okay. Well, to that point, and we may have we may have already addressed on it. So if if I'm missing it, Jeremy can jump in here for sure. But again, I think what's clear in this passage this morning is that Jesus keeps redirecting them back to the work of the kingdom. And and if the people in question there are are trusting God, that that's great. And if they're going on and doing works and 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 being a help in the kingdom and having a kingdom mindset. In an eternal perspective, 
then that's good and great. I, I guess I may be missing where your your anxiety comes in. Do you want to? Well, yeah. Let me say two things. One, our involvement in pursuing God's kingdom activities shouldn't be anxiety that they're not going to get done if we don't do them. Yeah. He'll make sons out of rocks. The rocks will cry out. He'll send angels to preach the gospel. Paul says, woe unto me if I don't do it. So there's a sense of I need to be obedient. And Paul's other implication seems to be he delights in getting to play a part in this. I was I was talking um, with the counselor training down at Appenies this week. And the whole why pray if God's in control. And we get the opportunity to get up on his stage and have scenes in his grand story. And some of our scenes and some of the words out of our mouth may be used by him to bring people to eternal salvation, to help despairing people take hope. We can take part in this grand story of the, of the, of the amazing God and his savior son. And we're, well, but if my, if, and this sort of, I think actually hinges on some self-centeredness. What it seems like at times we're saying is if my activity isn't mission critical, if he could have done it without me, then huh, why do I want to do it? And that's just odious. Yeah. Like you, you, get to have, yeah. you get to be in this scene, but I'm not the star of the scene. I'm not the hero of the story. No. Well, then I don't want to be in the scene. Yeah. He, he's offering us. Like if, if the Lord, like Caleb, you were a camp counselor at Appenus, right? So if God was pleased to use you, the clay pot that you are, um, to, to, to speak words of life, and there's, there's now a teenager who's in the kingdom of God because of you, that will have more weight and significance and will ring for eternity um, over virtually anything else you can do in this life. So we, we take part because of the reward and the joy. We take part because, well, unto us if we don't, I don't take part because... God really wants to get the gospel out there, but it's never going to happen if you don't do it. No, he's made it clear. He could, rocks could preach the gospel. I mean, I'm not going to thwart his plan. It's not. So I'd say the person is apathetic. You don't really believe the promises. Um, it, it gets back to the analogy I use about playing Monopoly. If we're playing a game of Monopoly, and um, partway through the game I pause because Maggie's out of money, and I say to you, Caleb, hey, I just want to let everyone at the table know, Whoever gives Maggie a Monopoly dollar to help her out in the game, I'm going to match it with $1,000 U.S. cash. If you then said to me, so, so how much do I have to give then? You're not really understanding what I just offered, right? Um, if, if we really believe the magnitude of the rewards being promised to us, if we really understood it, we, we wouldn't be saying, well, I'm just going to trust God then. We'd be like, like Paul, I strive on. I want to win more. I, I want to be part of this. Um, so I, I think the Lord puts joy, glory, reward as the primary motivation for pursuing the kingdom and, and threat of discipline. Dad's going to take you behind the, you know, the, the woodshed if you don't. Um, but certainly not anxiety. Uh, although the second thing, second thing I want to say, and I know I'm meeting our time up, Paul, there is an anxiety that's legitimate, which is why I think the fruit the anxiety bears is the key issue. This is Paul listing all of his sufferings, and he's been shipwrecked, and he's been beaten. But the cherry on top of all of his sufferings in chapter 12 is this. In toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. 
Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I will boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. But what, what does Paul's anxiety for the churches lead him to do? Write letters, plan trips to visit. Like he's doing things. He's not just sitting around being anxious. Um, so there's that word, and Paul is not confessing sin. He is consumed with the health of these churches he's planted, um, and he, that's leading him to activity and prayer. So for the apathetic person, I'd more challenge, like, do you, do you actually believe and understand what's been put on the table for you? You know, um, that, would, that, would be my, that would be the types of questions I want to ask them. Well, two-minute warning, Don. About making the decisions, uh, sometimes it's just doing the n- next right thing. Uh, the uh, Israelites were uh, without food in, in the wilderness, and we, God sent manna. So maybe the next right thing is put on your clothes, get out of the tent, and pick up manna. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Greg? <clears throat> I was thinking about Jen's comment earlier about how you know, her battle with anxiety, you know, led her to memorize scripture. And I, I've just been thinking, you know, just how much I, I enjoy the book of John and um, just just calling all of us to keep our eye out for those I am statements. I think that we'll we'll get a lot of truth. We'll get a lot of, um, you know, hope in, in who the Lord is. We've, we've been kind of touching about that here and there. But yeah, cast your anxieties on him. It's all about him. It's all about his grand story and, and, and our you know, small part as clay pots in it. But yeah, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the good shepherd. All of these are meant to give us hope and realities to, to hold on to so that when we are in those times of need, um, we can cast our anxieties on him and, and remember and be reminded. Amen. Uh, Carol and then Dennis. And then I believe we'll be at our closing time. Or Dennis and then Carol, whoever gets the mic first, I guess. <laughs> well, I, w- I was just going to say um, a great way for you to close out this session would be to give that John MacArthur quote again that you gave. Oh, because yeah, I think that. the whole key is understanding and believing the attributes of God. Yeah. And, of course, I say that partly to be sure my class shows up back there <laughs> next 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 week but I, i'm serious every every week i study the attributes of god i think wow if i understood that and believed it more it would certainly relieve my anxiety so maybe i can get you to give I'll, that quote I'll, again i'll read it we'll That's take enough. dennis's question and then you all can be dismissed after i read the quote dennis it's just a thought okay. i kind of lost it but i think i got the main focus of it <clears throat> i think god was really upset with the israelites because they spent a lot of their time grumbling and complaining. You know what the opposite of that is for a Christian? Being thankful. And uh, uh, I have a bad habit of grumbling and complaining so when something goes wrong. And a lot, maybe a lot of us do. And, and we forget what God has done for us in the past and what he's doing for us now. And our future is secure in Christ. So it's changing our thoughts to be in thankful instead of grumbling and complaining. Well, and, and I've often thought, you know, Moses at the Red Sea and all the people that crossed, there had to be some more rewards in that crowd. You know, here's the sea parting, but huh, I got to go through this? And, and then to think what God did in his providence, he not only got him through it, but he used that, that release from Egypt all through time to basically point back to his providence to the point to where 
when Israel started taking over the promised land, people were saying, we've heard of this God of yours. Ugh. So let me read this quote and then you all can be dismissed. Worry is not a trivial sin because it strikes a blow both at God's love and God's integrity. Worry declares our heavenly father to be untrustworthy in his word and his promises. To avow the inerrancy of scripture and in the next moment to express worry is to speak out of both sides of our mouths. Worry shows that we are mastered by our circumstances and by our own finite perspectives and understanding rather than, God, rather than by God's word. Worry is therefore not only debilitating and destructive, but maligns and impugns God. You all are dismissed. <laughs>